cross the street. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was bad. Cross the Streams podcast, Kip and Can I Own coming at you, episode number 10, mini milestone for us, celebrating it with a new segment called One Stop Shopping, where we're giving you clips, one to two minute clips uh, from important parts of previous interviews we've done, where we say we take a previous guest, one of his best things that they shared, he or she shared with us, and try to reshare them with you via listening to that audio brief burst again. We'll also follow up with the current events. We dive into the tragedy in Las Vegas, and also talk about some of the the complexities of the argument surrounding gun debate in the United States and how it relates to us to another argument that takes place in the coaching profession along the same lines of morality, laws, etc. Across the Streams podcast, episode 10. Our very first podcast has got a great one-stop shopping moment from, from an NBA assistant coach, David Adelman, uh, who was with the Orlando Magic at the time with Kane and I talking with him, and now he's with the Denver Nuggets. But Kane, we both took two different uh, splices from David that we'll play for everybody here coming up. Mine had to do with how he goes about and tries to relate to professional athletes. I thought um, that his story and what he talks about in this clip coming up and relating to a pro who literally is there to make money, and if you can't help him, you're going to be in trouble. So how he goes about still trying to formulate personal relationships like we would do in college or like high school coaches would do or any business people would do with your coworker well, is, is a great clip. And then you had another one specifically about when he stepped in that room for the first time as an NBA guy. Yeah, I thought one of the things that he said or, or one of the many things that he said that I kind of grasped onto was know what room you're in. And specifically a quote that I wrote down was know what you don't know meaning that you don't have to walk into every meeting, walk into every situation, and think that you know everything. Nobody likes a know-it-all. Same thing along the lines of when you're in a classroom or in a meeting room or in a uh, at a business presentation, at a sales presentation, and someone asks you a, a question and you don't have that specific answer right off the top of your head. It does you no good, in my opinion, to just – throw out some random answer, a simple, hey, I don't, I don't know that right now. Let me get back to you. After I do a little bit more research on that question, I'll have an answer for you in whatever time. You don't have to know it all right off the jump. Absolutely. David Adam. So we'll have both those. Kane and I, both of our favorites from Adam and we'll play from episode one. We'll go back to back right, right now for you. Uh, you talked about this a lot uh, early on about the relationship building with players and, and finding a ways to care about life outside of hoops. What do you use to help craft kind of your communication method? You know, you mentioned obviously you want to be yourself, but in trying to stay up to date, I know for us, you know, in recruiting, trying to stay up to date with what is going to help me connect. Is that you reaching outside? Are you reading books? Are you going articles? Is that just a lot of one-on-one time with your guys in the NBA? What, what are some other methods you're using aside from the whiteboard and a basketball and some cones uh, to connect with players? Yeah, I, I really believe like the daily conversation, you know, like I worked, you know, with Andrew Wiggins and, mm-hmm. and Zach Levine and some of those young guys, um, you know, and every day we work with them, you know, they come in early for practice like everybody else and you do skill development and all that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I really believe there were some days where it was like, hey, let's go in the office and, and you push them a little bit on, you know, what's going on in the world? Like, have you, did you watch the news? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the flip side of that is, you know, hey, man, like, 
you know, put together, you know, like a, a playlist and give it to me, something I, I probably don't listen to. Mm-hmm. So you, you try to find connection, you mm-hmm. know, and, and sometimes the best part of connection is, is you know, you may, you know, Zach Levine may give me a, a playlist of 10 songs. I may come the next day and say, I, I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> right. But that, that's okay. Yeah. Like that, that's the point is you're getting to know each other and you build trust and you build a bond, but you're doing it in a real way, an mm-hmm. organic way. It's not a fake hustle you know, like I'm using you, you're using me, kind of right. relationship, which which happens in sports a lot. Yeah, and I you, you try to you try to work your way around that, and I think it ends up being a, a better working relationship, and you get better results. Yeah, and I, and I think it's at anything when you're at, when you're the head coach or you're working in the NBA, and, and there's you know there's a million people that want your job. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that I found I've had more success. You know, when I'm willing to, to be the person in the room that says, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's other times yeah. where I do know. You know, yeah. I'm 100% and I know something and I can explain it and teach it and all those things. But, you know, we, yeah. we had a bad week or, I, or whatever it is. Right. You know, it's a good way to check yourself. Absolutely. That's a, that's a fantastic idea. On my one-stop shopping list, I think it's important for everybody to take a look at episode three with Kafense Henson, the wide receivers coach, uh, University of Hawaii, a former Willamette Bearcat. Uh, during my time here as undergrad, we were friends, obviously, and Kane and him actually have a coaching history against each other uh, when right. Kafense was at the University of Montana and Kane was with the Bobcats. Uh, what I really was, was struck out for me, Kane, and we've mentioned it a couple times through the podcast, but just as coaches, the fact that he's never gotten a job via – it's just knowing somebody, you know, and I think that's what everybody assumes in coaching. Oh, well, you have this buddy, so then you'll hire him. And Kofense's always had to prove himself in an interview segment with somebody that never had never previously met him or worked with him. And I thought that one was that was super impactful um, and something that probably doesn't doesn't. It really exists in a lot of business worlds. Um, it's usually a connection. And the fact that he's gotten in the room and proved himself is pretty impressive. Yeah, I think that just speaks to Kofense's ability as a person to present himself well in a genuine fashion, in a genuine way that makes people want to hire him. And I think that's a highly, highly underrated skill and ability. I mean, you talk about people skills and, and how important that is in everything that you're doing in in today's world. You have to have people skills and going through an interview process and being able to present yourself is a huge skill. And I think in today's social media world, we tend to forget that it's not just your Facebook profile or your Twitter profile or your ability to DM someone or send them graphics that is going to get you places. You still have to have that face-to-face, eye-to-eye contact and interpersonal relationship ability, being able to interact with others is still a huge skill, and uh, obviously Kofense has shown that ability in more ways than one. And I think the, the thing that people should maybe – one thing you want to take up, that could be a motivating thing for you if you're like, man, I'm a high school coach or, man, I'm an accountant in a local firm. That doesn't necessarily mean you're screwed because you don't know Coach K at Duke or you don't know yeah. the CEO at Intel. If you are doing your – if you're good at your craft – and you're passionate about your craft, and you can find a way to get yourself in front of somebody, then I, th- I, th- I think it should be motivating that you can go out there and, and earn a job through merit still. I, I know, I know it's, 
It's uh, maybe That's we're it. a glass half full type of podcast, but I think it's still possible. And I think that from Kafenta Hints in episode three, this clip coming up, hopefully will uh, motivate you and show that it is. Professionally for yourself, like for you with all these stops, is your resume, like even we're talking about modern age stuff, what's, is your resume on paper? Is your resume, hey, here's the stats? I mean, look at what, I mean, you, if it is, it's a binder. Like, how do you go about selling yourself? Um, it is on paper. I do have a resume on paper. But I think in our profession, you know, a lot of it is just word of mouth and relationship based mm -hmm. and, and uh now i say that but the ironic thing about me is i've never worked for a head coach that i previously knew which is amazing um yeah i mean every guy i've worked for um i, I kind of had a connection to but didn't know that person mm -hmm. directly um and I, I to be honest i take pride in it i mean you know yeah. um for, for right or wrong a lot of this this the reason why people get hired is because of uh you know, relationships that may be genuine or not. Right. Um, but but I think what has gotten me every opportunity that I've had has been just um, people recommending me and people mm -hmm. um, researching researching my work. Right. And, um, it's kept me employed and it's kept food on my family's table. No, and that's and that's um, like you mentioned. Like even for for on the basketball side, you go to the Final Four and the NABC convention. It's a polo festival, and everyone's in a yeah. race to say, "Hey, I know you. Please hire me." And it's not really merit based. It sounds like you've been right. able to. And one of the things that I think is so impressive about you is you've been able to sell the merits of your football knowledge, your coaching ability, your communication style. Um, like you mentioned, in various outcomes, is that also interview based? Do you feel like you're good in the room? When you, when you do meet these people? Well, that's the thing. I, I just feel like, man, if I can get an opportunity to get in front of a person, mm -hmm. then I, I feel really confident, you know. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, sometimes it's just not the right fit. I think people, you know, football especially, and I don't know, basketball might be the same, but football is kind of like a cast system, you know. Like mm. everybody's got to be a labeled something. You gotcha. Know, a, he's a receiver guy. He's a quarterback guy. He's a D3 guy. He's a yeah. spread guy. He's a pro-style guy. Um, and so I, I think, you know, a lot of people go into interviews and go into, you know, these job openings with kind of a stereotype of a person they have in mind. Mm -hmm. Um and, and I don't know if that's the, the best way to do it, you know. Right. Um, I, I know that every opportunity I've ever gotten, I, I, it was because I was able to sit down and and uh, meet meet somebody and actually yeah. meet them. And I think I, if more of that happened in our profession, yep. I think um, I think we'd all be better off for it. Yep. Absolutely. Hundred um, percent so agree. I um, yeah. So I, you know, I. I try to be that way, you know. Mm -hmm. I haven't really been in a lot of positions where I've been able to hire people, but when I have, I've uh, always kind of remembered how I how I got in mm -hmm. to some of these places. So I, uh, you know, it takes some work and some due diligence, but I think you know if you want to win, yeah, and you want to get the right people, I think that's the the only way to do. It. Next up on One Stop Shopping, Kane, we got Taylor Mounts' interview. What, what, what section did you want to pick out for, from, from that go-round with Taylor Mounts, the director of corporate pon uh, sponsorships at Auburn? Yeah, one highlight for me from many highlights of, of Taylor's interview was when he was talking about the humble beginnings for himself and most of his other coworkers within his profession. And it kind of reminded me of, of Drake's song, Started From the Bottom, Now We're Here. And just kind of that, that theme, that motto of 
you don't have to start at the top right away. Matter of fact, most people don't. Those that are at the top now usually have started at the very bottom somewhere. And it's been the process and the climb that has helped get them to where they are now. And they wouldn't be there where they're at without that process, without the steps that they had to take, without the experiences that they have learned from along the way. Whether you come out of college and you go into the graduate assistant uh, area like uh, Taylor did at Eastern Washington, and you learn that you don't want to be a basketball coach because of how much it really consumes your time and and there's some things about it that you just don't like. Or um, you figure out real quick that this law firm that that you thought you wanted to work for, you show up and, and as an intern you realize, you know what? This isn't for me. This is not what I thought it was going to be. So there's so many different ways in which you can get to where you want to get to. And there's so many different routes and paths and, and everyone's story, which I've said on this podcast multiple times, everyone's story is unique and it should be. But if you think that you're going to come out, out of college, out of high school, wherever, and there's this instant gratification thing going on in the world today that everyone's just got to have it right now. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. That's not how it works. And you shouldn't want it to work that way. Because I'm telling you right now, it's the process, it's the the climb, it's the experiences along the way that shape who you are and help make everything worth it when it's all said and done. Absolutely. And this clip coming up, Taylor Mounts, episode six uh, from that ep- from that interview with Tay. The biggest thing for me was a lot of people want to work in sports business, yeah. but not, like, not everybody would want to go to Louisiana. Everyone would say, oh, well, I want to work in, I want to work for the Yankees, or I want to work for the Lakes, or I want to, you know what I mean? Yep. I want to work for the Cowboys, and it's been. If you look at all the guys that have kind of been uh, difference makers in terms mm-hmm. of sports business, I mean, a lot of them started uh, just like, you know, I make these states. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can tell you with, with our staff, our general manager and our two other sales guys, our general manager started at Marshall uh, in West Virginia. Yep. One of our other sales guys started at Troy University. Oh, man, yeah. And the other one started at Southern Mists. Right, so no, um, nobody's starting with, with, with the golden slipper that they, you know, I'm going to start on the mountaintop immediately. Exactly. exactly. So that's, uh, uh, you know, for me, I always take that into account. And, and even even now, you know, I, I don't think any of us say, hey, we're an Auburn, we can, we can, we can uh, take a foot off the gas. I think we all kind of realize that, you know, we, we know what it's like to be at a, you know, the base or mm-hmm. a Troy or, or a, you know, wherever. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and it's been a time every day. 
across the stream moment that we had with Kelly Ione, obviously closely related to me, why my wife, when she discussed her cross the stream moment, when finally just deciding, despite all the negative connotations and associations with network marketing, she was going to jump in fully to Plexus, the health and wellness company, uh, start sharing, and she discussed that in her mindset on just saying, you know what, I'm going to do it, I'm going to jump in, and that was back in episode five. To the cross the streams portion, but talk about like when, yeah. when you you experienced and it was very obvious from from mine as a husband how much happier you were, how much healthier you felt. But when you decided, you know what, I'm not just going to use the product, I'm going to go ahead and sell it. And I'm talking that for me yeah. is what I would assume would be your cross the stream moment professionally. Um, so to so take the listeners through that decision, because like you mentioned, I think probably a lot of them out there are like network marketing. I see those folks. Yeah. Why would you want to be that person? Well, to be fair, you told me not to do it. I sure did. (laughs) And I'm right back to zero. I had a plus one, and now I'm back to zero. (laughs) Yeah. He said, just use the products. Don't don't tell anybody. Right. You know, and I said yes at first. You're right. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. And then I slowly, I just, I don't know. Something clicked, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to be brave. I'm going to do this. I started out posting more... um, just personal things like me and my son and here's what I'm doing um, just to kind of get my feet wet a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm, can I put mm -hmm. myself out there? Um, And then I kind of just jumped. I went all in. As soon as I decided I was going to do it, I went in and I have just learned, you know, every day something new that I'm capable of um, and that I, I can do for myself and my family. What was the biggest anxiety you had? When, when in posting, aside from your husband, me, this this idiot saying, no, you mm-hmm. shouldn't do that. Was it the, you know, the personal sharing? Was it just being on Facebook, Instagram? Um, what what really was like, you know, this is... No, I had posted before. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like being on social media was a real problem. I worried about people who were like me and how I used to be. Mm-hmm. I was worried about the judgment and what they would say. Um, I was worried about you, too. I wanted to make sure you supported me mm-hmm. in this. So, you know, when you said you did, mm-hmm. that really relieved a lot of stress on me because I didn't want that to be a, a problem because some people are vehemently against mm-hmm. this sort of business. Yeah. But, you know, I I have to remember that their opinions don't pay my bills. Right. So um, this is what I love and I enjoy, and I'm going for it. Did- Next up from Kane's group on the one-stop shopping list was episode two with Matt Espinoza, the director of the Salem Hoops Project, uh, coaching a uh, friend of mine. And Kane, you, you had a very specific segment in there, one of Noza's sayings that, that you wanted to talk about and get people to listen to again. I absolutely loved the motto, lift as you climb. I think it's, it's an awesome motto. It's an awesome motto not only for, for teams uh, as far as in the sports, sports world, I think it, it pertains to everything. I mean, it, I think it's a life motto when it's all said and done. Uh, myself, I, I, I want to live a life of servitude, meaning I want to help others. I want to get people to um, – I want to be able to have impact on others' lives. That's why I do what I do. That's why I coach. And part of being a coach, I know I have to try and improve myself on a daily basis, whether it's uh, improving the knowledge of – whatever it is that I'm coaching, improving how I'm teaching that knowledge, whatever it may be. 
Uh, in the meantime, I also want to be able to lift up my peers, meaning my other coaches around me, challenge them to do the same things. As players and teammates, it's the same concept. If you know, I, I see these players all the time that are doing extra stuff on their own, right? They're in the weight room getting extra curls in or, or abs or, or whatever extra stuff, flexibility, whatever they, they feel like they need to get done. They're in there doing some extra stuff on their own or they're out on the field after practice doing extra stuff, getting working on certain things. And I think that's great. That's awesome. But I also believe that if you stick to this motto, lift as you climb, you start pulling others with you as you go out to do an extra whatever it is. If you're in the weight room, you're pulling teammates in there with you going, hey, yeah, come on. Let's let's get this extra work in. The analogy I love to use when thinking about this motto is if I'm going to go out and climb a mountain, you better believe I'm going to bring someone else to climb with me. And I'm going to help that person as I'm as I'm climbing. I'm lifting them up with me. I want them right there as I reach that pinnacle, as I reach the top of the mountain, so we can all enjoy reaching the summit. And we all can look out on the top of that mountain and enjoy the experience and go, wow, that was amazing. If I climb a mountain by myself, I'm at the top of the mountain. I'm looking around. I got nobody to share this experience with. How much fun is that? It's not. So lift as you climb, bring others with you, whatever it is that you're doing. If you're, if you're a health fitness person and you got friends that are struggling with health and fitness, lift them up, help them out. If you're, say you're in a book club even, and you love certain books and you want your friends or your family to read more, send them some books, tell them how great it is, but let's just not enjoy all these different experiences on our own or by ourselves. Lift as you climb. It's a great motto. Episode, episode two, this next clip is from Matt Espinoza, Salem Hoops Project. Uh, but I think it's awesome. One of, the, one of the slogans I've loved from you is a hashtag lift as you climb. Yeah. Talk about how you came up with that because I've stolen it from you. Folks. Another full <laughs> disclosure, I use it a ton in our coach state work and because I love it. But go ahead, talk, talk about your, your, your lift as you climb. So lift as you climb. You know, I kind of I heard somebody say it once. Uh, I was doing a study on stewardship, and I heard somebody say it. And basically, what lifted you climb has meant to me was, as I'm doing all this stuff to improve myself, you know, to grow myself as a coach, as a husband, you know, as a teacher, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If I'm not helping other people do the same thing, I'm not only going to limit their growth. I'm going to limit mine too. So, in order for all of us to be able to grow and reach our maximum potential. We have to be willing to help carry others with us as well. Mm-hmm. So Lift As You Climb is really uh, the leadership model, but it's a teamwork model as well. So not only are you doing what you got to do as a coach of Willamette to make yourself the best coach, but if you're not doing that for your staff, if you're not doing that for your players, then not only will you not be the coach you can be, but your program's not going to get where it can be. No, I don't. Last audio highlight uh, in our one-stop shopping tours through some of the most important and impactful segments from interviews we've done in the first 10 episodes of Cross the Stream Podcast is from Brandon Eggert. Um, Brandon talks about how he uses and deploys the scientific method in a lot of his decision-making and brings us up to speed on the true nature of the scientific method, uh, which probably a lot of us, I know myself included, probably had backwards. Disproving the Null Hypothesis, Brandon Eggert, Episode 4. 
<laughs> crossing the streams, it's calculated. I have a different approach. It comes back to me being a, a, a science and research-based student and, and getting my major and working on my master's in, in, a, in a research-based field. And everything in, in science is, if and I, and I do this with everything, um, that's, that's important. I do with things that aren't important. But when we were looking to buy the business, I fall back on the scientific method. And anybody who doesn't believe in the scientific method, I would gladly have a nice long discussion with. And what, well, I don't think a lot of people understand the basis of the, the scientific method. If, if I have a hypothesis out there that say, uh, that, that's, for instance, when I, we were looking to buy the business, it was my, my hypothesis is this is a good investment. Right. This is that I should buy this business because it's going to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Right. The way to answer that question correctly is not to try and come up with all the ways why it's profitable. When you want to be grounded in that scientific method, what you have to do is disprove the null hypothesis. And mm-hmm. what that means is I'm not trying to prove that this business is profitable. I'm trying to take the null hypothesis, meaning this business is not profitable. And then I'm going to take every way i'm going to disprove all the ways that it can be not profitable first first way we could you know what if we lose clients great i'm going to pull our last four years of of information and i'm gonna i'm gonna explain to our business advisor and accountant that this is how many clients we had in 2011 this is how many clients we have in 2015 and in that course we have retained every single client or 99 percent of those clients that were clients in 2011 are still client so not only are we growing our client base but we're retaining those those current clients at the same time so i've got 48 months of good data that says that we're not going to lose clients great well what if we have an economic downturn. So boom, I, I go back to the 2008, 2009, 2010 years. And here's the thing about the technology services world. It's not money that our, that our clients are looking at as discretionary dollars. It's yeah. not things that they cut in tight times. People will cut an advertising budget. People will cut benefits. They'll cut pay. They'll cut, you know, spent, you know, capital expenditures, but you don't cut your power bill, your electricity bill, your, you, you, there's certain things they look at as utilities. These are the basis on what our business runs on. And if you own a CPA firm, you need your computers and servers to run all the time. Mm-hmm. Same thing if you're a college football coach, you need your Exos system or whatever system you're using for film review and analysis to yes. work all the time. All the time. It, if it's down, it we're down. You guys are absolutely down, screwed. Yes, that's my industry. It is a non. It is a non-discretionary spending item. It is one of the last things that ever gets looked at on a budget, as far as looking to cut it back. We went through and itemized out all those things that could make this a not profitable decision, and and we tried to disprove each and every one of those. And if you disprove all the ways that you can fail, then all that's left is to succeed. Another current events round for us is, I mean, our country keeps supplying us with a ton of current events that, like Kane mentioned in the last podcast, I don't think we'd be doing anybody a service by ignoring the, the major events that are happening. Um, but as Kane and I talked about last time, we'd like to take a look at them from different prisms, not necessarily jump in and wade in on the the, act, the the hot takes that are happening on all your news and Twitter and YouTube channels, but actually... Talk about what happened this week in Las Vegas, you know, the, the horrific mass gun uh, shooting and all and all the poor people that were uh, lost their lives at the concert. But then kind of take a look at it through a similar prism we used last week and lead us into another conversation that I think we both face as coaches and maybe some of you face out there as coaches and parents 
um, and, and try to frame it in terms of this level of complexity in the gun violence and gun laws debate also exists in another in a lot of other areas um, and maybe just give you a window and insight into how some of these complex discussions go in the coaching world is that about is that it's a hard topic to kind of box in it is, Kane. It is. Um, but <laughs> I, I, is that is that kind of where we're headed yeah i think ultimately what we're trying to do is have a conversation about gun control in a way that isn't about gun control because you're hearing it from both sides. You're hearing it all over the place from whether you watch Fox News, whether you watch MSNBC, whether you get your news from Twitter, Facebook, whatever avenues that you're getting the news from. I'm sure you're getting bombarded with this from both sides all day, every day for the last 24 hours to 48 hours to however long. So what we are trying to do is have the conversation because first off, the conversation has to be had. Let me just put that out there and make sure that you know that I am speaking on that side of things 100% where I disagree with anyone out there that's trying to say that this is not the time to have have this conversation. Because I'm sorry, when is the time to have the conversation? The next time we have another mass shooting? So let's have the conversation, but let's do it in a different way. So Kip and I are, are going to try and present it or frame it from our perspective, or not necessarily from our perspective, but kind of taking it from a co- uh, coaching realm and uh, what we deal with when it comes to certain rules and regulations that we have to try and stall or instill to our teams and our players and how complex and tough decisions are to make. How hard it is to come up with the framework first and foremost, then the details and how complex this can be, this topic can be. Yep, absolutely. And I think the the topic Kane and I picked that kind of frames the similar moral argument that you hear in the gun debate right now. One side arguing for more legislation, rules, laws, et cetera, and another side arguing more legislation and paper laws won't stop a bad ethical choice if a person's determined to make it. And I think what Kane and I tried to do is take a look at that as a coach with a program, whatever the sport. Obviously, we're basketball, football, but the, 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 that same topic comes up with alcohol use on your team. Um, when we're going to talk just in general about where we've been, the things we've tried to lay out as assistants, as um, coordinators, as a head coach, like how the, the topic is the same in terms of what should I, what am I responsible for, what is appropriate for me to lay out as the head coach in terms of alcohol policy on our team mm-hmm. in dealing with 21-year-olds who legally can use it, can drink, mm-hmm. and how much, how little, and I think Kane and I both talked about and we'll, we'll get into this, that's a hard question when you take into all, all the factors because I think you can argue both sides pretty well. Yeah, there, I mean, there's just so many different factors that come into play. Very similar to the gun debate, gun control debate. How many different factors that go into it? I mean, when you're talking about alcohol amongst your team, first and foremost, you got to talk about underage versus of age. I mean, that's that's a huge concept right there. You've got some players on your team that have the legal right to drink because they're 21 plus, and you've got others that aren't yet of legal age 
So how do you decipher which rule is for who and which and do they does do you have a big umbrella rule? You've got in season versus out of season. Do you completely limit any type of alcohol consumption during the season? Because that's the quote unquote most important time. And then out of season, completely different set of rules. Out of season, you go do what you want. Out of season, you got the same rules for, for in season. Another couple factors. How about bar versus no bar? Obviously, bars serve alcohol. If you're of age, you can be in there. If you're not of age, you can't be in there by rule. Not just our rules. So that's another factor. Punishment for different alcohol violations. is Are MIPs different from DUIs? Obviously. How do you regulate that? How do you regulate just a minor in possession or someone that was just at a party as opposed to someone who throws the party? There's just so many different factors that go into this alcohol regulation. And um, and then I think it's similar in terms of – take the gun debate again where you have state laws that might differ from federal laws and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in great. alcohol use, you have a team policy, correct? Yep. Then you probably have an athletic department policy, which may or may not be the same as yours. And then on top of that, you probably have a campus policy. Correct. That governs the entire school or university you're at. Um, And then you pair that with the overarching federal laws or state laws (laughs) in terms of underage drinking. Now you see a similarity in the layers with which you have to address this problem. And once again, we're not saying that because it's complex, you should just say, well, whatever happens, happens. We're saying is these are all the factors as a coach that go into you, your staff, your athletic director, your captain's leadership team, however you run your team. When you literally you sit down and try to tell the team, this is my expectation in terms of alcohol use. And so where would you say, Kane, in your stop, say at Montana state, um, where have you as a staff and places you've been, where have you guys started as a group? In most cases, where I've been and and the programs I've been a part of, it really comes down to regulations and rules versus education and standards. Regulations and rules on one side, whatever rules and regulations you put in place, you have to be willing to enforce those rules and and regulations. So if you have a a booklet of 10-plus rules, then you got to be really – willing to enforce those 10 plus rules. You have to be willing to go out on Saturday night and and enforce a no no bar rule or to keep track of that no bar rule. You have to be ready to um, lay down punishments for breaking those rules and and, uh, those violations that come up. And knowing that you have a team of 21, 22, 18, 19-year-old kids in college, the likelihood of those rules and regulations being broken is probably pretty high, unfortunately. So that's the kind of the dilemma you put yourself in if you have all these regulations and rules. For me, when, when I when I took over uh, Willamette as the head coach and suddenly these rules were mine to make, uh, yeah. and obviously in discussions with my staff and other people, what I tried to figure out was, the, and I'm not saying we're God's gift to rules and regulations, what we tried to decide was let's put up an expectation of character instead of rules. Mm-hmm. So, And then underneath that umbrella, 
I can ca- I can I can grab every understanding that that little tagline of be a quality human that doesn't embarrass your parents, yourself, or this family here. Yep. Now I can catch stupidity underneath it, mm-hmm. and maybe that gives me more. And leeway is probably the wrong word, but it's a flexible, inf- a flexible expectation in terms of this kid might be find himself in trouble because of A, but this other kid with C. Now there's not 14 laws. It's all exactly. the same expectation, and the violation occurs because you didn't meet the character expectation of all of us. Um, yep. And so that's that's been our base standard, and obviously I'll get into more how we've had to adjust certain things. But I think that's where I tried to make the starting point. Maybe because I was younger as a head coach when I got the job at 29 years old, I still maybe had a thought process that wasn't as black and white. Like you will drink or you will not drink. That's going to be our team. It's more along the lines of a good character human being that's got the team in mind, their Mm -hmm. their well-being in mind, is probably going to make a choice to not drink Mm -hmm. versus the other way. So, yeah, I think – Again, like I said, it's either regulations and rules or education and standards. And it sounds like you've you've kind of gone the standards route. That's in most cases what all the programs I've been a part of, or and even as a player, most of the time that's what it's been all about. Really about standards, setting those expectations and standards, uh, educating your players on, on alcohol use. But I loved what you said when it came to it's really not a black and white situation it's not a black and white discussion it's not um alcohol or no alcohol that's not what this you can't do that you can't tell your team i'm there will be absolutely zero alcohol on this team you're going to run into so many more problems by doing that and you can't do it the other way where you're going to say there are absolutely no rules when it comes to alcohol you're going to run into so many more problems with that as well and when talking about gun control, it's the same way. It's not black and white. It's not no guns, absolutely no guns. If you have guns, give them to me. We're taking them away. We're throwing them in the bottom of the ocean. You can't have guns in this country. Or the other way, the opposite way, where it's a free-for-all, have every type of gun you want. You want assault rifles? Have an assault rifle. You want a sniper rifle? Have a sni- You want a bazooka? We don't care. There's no control on guns. Have at it. That's not it. And I don't think either side is really trying to argue that that way either. I think that's what's the most frustrating part about this is how can we not find a middle ground somewhere? But again, I think it is all these just different factors that go into it, just like there's just so many different factors that go into coaches trying to stem alcohol usage as much as they possibly can, trying to regulate uh, with rules or regulate with standards and education. And I think it's similar in terms in in talking of of the gun debate too, is I think people like to frame, and this happens to us, I think as coaches in thinking about your players as a a general out generality, bad people that shoot people. Okay. And then Mm -hmm. players that get hammered before the game or after the game (laughs) and get them right. Then it's yeah, this yep, big yep, group yep. of, you know what, you can't regulate all these lunatics lining up target practice, and you can't stop your guys from all being alcoholics. Well, I, I don't think you have those these huge, steadfast, this is how the world exists, especially if you talk about and take a look at inf- informing decision-making. 
That's so it, if yeah. we say I can't, I, a law can't stop somebody from murdering, or my team rule can't stop my players from drinking, that may be true. However, my information campaign that shows my players factually through scientific study that every bender they go on a Saturday night costs them three days in the weight room, all that muscle fiber they built up is eaten away, and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I in turn have the chance to influence decision making or improve decision making instead it. of, you know what, there's just lunatics and there's no way to reeducate lunatics and they're ready to kill or they're ready to do keg stands in your locker room. Yeah. I, I don't think there's that extreme if you, if you try to as a head coach. And once again, we're not painting ourselves as God's gift to coaching in terms of regulations. My, my guys nope. still make stupid decisions. Exactly. I'm sure yours do as well. But what we've tried to do is here's the expectation bar. And my belief is you're, you don't get to that expectation bar by copying Coach Kip's choices. Mm-hmm. You get there because you make a decision-making process through your time here, and hopefully I've helped with what I set up, but you create Kane Ione's decision-making process. It's not mm-hmm. Kip's. Or Jimmy Jones' decision-making process is not Coach Peterson's at UW's, but it's a good one that mm-hmm. works for them. Yep. And I think that's that's how we've tried to attack the problem at Willamette is hopefully I've shown you enough info on the consequences of drinking, both to your body, other people, et cetera, that you will make a choice. Not because I removed alcohol from the earth, but because I, I put in your brain that you could say no. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it as far as just the education side of things and, and what we're really in this thing all for, which is developing young men and, and helping them with the process, the decision-making process in life and giving them educational opportunities to learn the consequences of certain decisions. If you want to be that guy that goes out and drinks on a Thursday night before Saturday's game, great. That's what you want to do. Here's some education on how that's still going to affect you three days later. Game time comes around, you're still going to feel the effects of a Thursday night party, whether you believe it or not. Here's some education that, or, or some facts that maybe will help you in that decision. Ultimately, we want to give our guys standards and educate them to those standards so that they can make decisions on their own. Because guess what? We're not going to be there every waking hour to help them with those life decisions. Do I take this drink or do I not? Do I party tonight or do I not? I'm not going to be in your ear every second, nor do I want to be. But if we've educated you enough, we've given you the tools to make the right decisions, then maybe you will make the right decision. And it's not going to be 100%. No matter how long you've been doing this, as far as coaching is concerned, no matter how great your information is that you give your players, you are not going to reach 100% of them. It really comes down to the old bell curve, essentially, the, the success rate bell curve. Uh, where you've got your 10% on one end that are the high achievers, the guys that are just wired differently than everybody else that are going to make the right decisions because they've already set their own high standards. And, and they have so, such high expectations for themselves that they're going to go above and beyond the call of duty in most cases. And you're going to help them along the way, but guess what? They're helping themselves the majority of the time. And then you've got the opposite end 10% that are the complete extreme opposite where they're the ones that are partying Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday fun days. They're at college for one reason and one reason only, and that's to have fun. 
And no matter what kind of education you give them or standards and expectations you set for them, they're in that uh, team room listening to the team meeting. It's going in one ear, out the other. That's just who they are. Again, they're just wired that way, unfortunately. But it's the middle 80% that are kind of in flux and and don't know which way they want to go yet. Those are the ones that you want to spend the most of your time with. Those are the ones that you want to influence to get to that top 10% to help them set those standards and, and individual expectations for themselves give them the proper education to make the right decisions. Um, and so in the end, when it's all said and done, uh, no matter what rules and, and regulations you have and, and are willing to enforce, it still is going to come down to those decisions that have to be made on their own as 18 to 22-year-old young men. And I think it's hard, too. I think the balancing act for coaches and this, once again, it, it ties into our society's current debate with guns is I don't think anyone, any of us want to exist as a coach that's Batman. I don't think we want to be <laughs> existing in a culture of going to prove guilt, you know, yes. like this. We're going to create this police state where we're going to keep our eyes on every single human 24 hours a day. And because of the big brother eye, you're not going to mess up. I don't think we any of us want to exist in that world. Any none of us want to be coaches for that. I didn't get into coaching to punish kids. No. Um, so I think if if you make this choice on educating, recruiting, informing, and opening conversation, even in terms of hey man, you made this choice, you did your consequence, but now let's talk about what went into your choice instead of just dude, you effed up, you're out, or I pull your scholarship, or you effed up, you got two game suspension, see it practice in two weeks. I think you have to have those conversations as a staff, as coaches, as leadership groups on your team with what led your brain to this and be honest with me. What, what, and then hopefully once again, arm them for a better choice later. Cause you won't be there when the choice comes up again, at least you shouldn't no. be in my opinion. I don't think you can be no. that coach. Even at D one, you guys, university of Washington, there's not enough of you on staff no. to go out night after night with each player and say, Oh no, 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 no. Turn around and go home. We still got to go home and go to bed. Yeah, there's no question. I, I don't want to spend every waking hour with my players. If I could, I'd, I'd love to be one of those little, you know, on the, the cartoons, the old school cartoons where the little angel popped up on one end and then the, uh, you know, I had the, the devil popping up on the other end. Yeah, I'd love to be that angel that pops up on the shoulder on all of my players 100% of the time whenever they're about to make a bad choice. In, in, in general terms, I, I, it's amazing how – and once again, I'm sure this, this could exist in an office culture where you know the, the rules set up in, in a company, the, the, the code of conduct, the code of ethics in, in a company. Um, you know, As teachers, I'm sure the, the laws that govern being a teacher that I was with for seven years, all these decisions come up in terms of what is the balance or like you mentioned, what's the acceptable percentage of people that are going to make a wrong choice versus this law that we intended to govern all of us? Yes. And I think that the level of complexity just that, that we're trying to show here with alcohol on teams is similar and just as deep and, and not convoluted is the wrong word. Probably uh, hard to shake out the, the middle ground of agreement as, as, the, as the gun debate. See you on the other side, Ray.